0: Let's go, folks. Time for the Gibby Show.
1: Hey, doing baseball fans, and welcome to another edition of the Gibby Show, presented by Miller Lite, the official beer of Major League Baseball and the Gibby Show. I'm John Arezzi, and joining me, one of the most beloved figures in Toronto Blue Jays history, the two-time manager of the Jays, Skipper of the 2015 and 2016 playoff teams, he is a best-selling author. He's also the voice of that book, Gibby, Tales of a Baseball Lifer. Joining us, as always, the star of the Gibby Show, the baseball life himself, John Gibbons. And Gibby, you're back out in the wilderness from what I understand, enjoying the Bears and hopefully some beers of the Miller Lite variety.
0: Oh, you know that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How's you it going that, out there?
0: If, good, man. You're going know, to enjoy life, relax a little bit with my wife. My wife's a wonderful photographer. We we ran into some. Well, we've seen a lot of bears, you know, this this trip, and uh, it's just been kind of cool. we get out here and we isolate, and it's uh, it's 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 a, it's a wonderful place.
1: Yeah, I saw one of the videos you posted up on your socials uh, that family of bears, and it was just kind of spectacular to see. And uh, how far exactly were you from them?
0: Gosh, it, it was it was under a, under a hundred yards. The, the rule is you got to be a hundred yards, keep a distance, you know, because they if they start moving towards you. But, uh, it was it was a big group of people, so you know all I had to do was outrun at least one of them, you know, and then uh, that'd have been all right.
1: <laughs> well, it looks like you're having a great time out there, and uh, it's good to get away for sure. Uh, we do have a promotion to talk about uh, that listeners of the Gibby Show can participate in. We'll talk to you about that later in the show. It's about Gibby's book and ECW Press and a special opportunity. So we'll talk to you about that later. Uh, the Jays are out of the postseason, as we all know. Knocked out, uh, swept by Minnesota in the best of three uh, wild card uh, playoff series. There's a lot of questions uh, swirling around Blue Jays Nation, the media, and around baseball. So we'll get into all of that on today's show. And later on, Gabbing with Gibby, John's done it again. Uh, gabbing with Gibby, of course, brought to you by Tim Hortons. We will bring on former Blue Jay, a member of the 1993 World Championship team, the winner of the MVP of that series. He's a Hall of Famer. Paul Molitor will be our special guest in just a little bit. And, of course, inspired by our friends at Miller Lite, we'll have another roast and toast as well. But, uh, Gibby, uh, let's get right into the leadoff. <laughs> And this one, is a, this one is a difficult one because we all know that the early departure of the Jays in the playoffs this year was heartbreaking, was frustrating, and it put a spotlight on the entire organization, and really not in a good way. The removal of Jose Barrios in Game 2 as he was arguably pitching his best game of the year in order to bring in Yusei Kikuchi is still being debated throughout baseball. Uh, not just by Blue Jays fans, but the media and everyone else is talking about it. While almost everybody felt it was kind of a predetermined analytical move, including many Jays who spoke openly about the surprise and defending John Schneider, uh, GM Ross Atkins met with the press this past weekend, and his comments just kind of put fuel on the fire. So Gibby Atkins put the entire decision on Schneider, saying, quote, when that decision occurred, I found out about it when you did. Other quotes from that Saturday presser. I was surprised he was coming out. I don't know if I've ever seen that. He put full responsibility on the manager. Do you think Atkins kind of threw Schneider under the bus with these comments?
0: Well, you know, Johnny, I'm i hey, I'm, I'm a little confused myself. And, you know, I've been in those, I've been in
1: those, those,
0: in the managing Doug chair and, uh, you know, the, the, the where the uproar is in the, in the baseball fandom you know, as amongst fans, players, things like that. A lot of front offices, they're doing things this way. So that's should that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody, right? And, uh, you know, but what I'm surprised about, because, before, well, first, let me preface it with, when I when I was working there at the end before I, I was cut loose, they let me do my own thing. You know, that, that's part, I think they would have, re- if I leaned on them a little bit more for some of that, but, but that's not the way I was used to, right? So, but I'm a little confused too. But I, I just wish, you know, when you, I don't care whether it's Blue Jays, Mets, and, and you name a team out there, right? When you got your front office and your in your coaching staff and your team like that, it should be a unified front. You know, everybody say, hey, you know what? Listen, regardless of what happened, we don't like the outcome. Nobody does. We thought we were a better team, whatever you might want to say there. But you know, we're all in this together. We're trying to, we're, we're doing our best, you know what, to be a uh, you know, a, a team where we have info up top that we think is beneficial to the guys on the field. We give it to them and they make their decisions and and, and run the game. You know what's wrong with that because because when you when you don't do it that way you know and then you get all this and that and in and, you know and everybody gets burned and everybody's you know yeah. under the gun and, and you know what we're crying out last but it's it's a sport man we're, this is entertainment but I guess that's what makes it so exciting but the the way the way baseballs run in a lot of places now, this should this shouldn't that move shouldn't have surprised anybody because that's kind of the way everything's kind of laid out. You know now, I don't think somebody's calling the dugout and say, Hey, hey make this pitch a change or somebody, but I've, I've heard there's analytics guys that in some some on some teams near the end of the dugout or you know, kind of helping formulate some things. How true that is, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, it's just unfortunate, you know, because you know, it which gets tracked taken from this too. You know, you got to tip your hat to Minnesota, they played some pretty damn good baseball,
1: they did, they did a very exciting. Uh, very exciting team. And, uh, there's so many things that happened, uh, during, uh, that series that, you know, you kind of look at, but, uh, getting back to, uh, Atkins and like you're saying, it's putting everybody under the microscope when everyone's not unified. Uh, he did say in the press conference that Schneider would be back in 2024 when asked, we've not heard from John Schneider at all, uh, since then. Um, does he need to comment anymore and address that this was solely his decision and back up Ross or, you know, how, what do you do? I mean, it's an, it's an uncomfortable situation regardless. Well, what do you do if you're John Schneider?
0: Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know what you do to be honest with you. but this, this yeah. was
1: the, when, when there's obviously
0: kind of point out that the, there's, there's confusion there and you can't have that on a major league team, but you know what? I don't. It, it just kind of looks like the United States government for crying out loud. Nobody, <laughs> no, nobody's taking responsibility for anything. It's like you know. You know. So everybody's everybody's broke.
1: Yeah. Whoosh. Well, may, maybe there'll be more clarification when uh, the president Shapiro uh, talks to the media this Thursday. I mean, you know, he is the, the head of baseball operations. So wouldn't it be good if he gets like everybody there on the dais and saying, this is what happened. This was our decision. We stick by it regardless, of win or lose, because right now it just seems like you don't need three different camps to be circulating. You know, the manager's camp where the players were defending him for that decision. They, they were kind of saying, well, it really wasn't his. And then Atkins says it was his, it wasn't mine. I gave him the information. He does what he wants with it. So it's just kind of as a fan, as someone who's covering the team as we do, and especially in your role, you know, a former manager sitting here and like you're looking at it. I mean, it really is kind of a, it's a little bit of a circus right now.
0: Oh yeah. You know, you know what, this is what I, I don't understand. It's not just talking about baseball or anything like this. In a, in a, in, you know I love politics, It's but it's like it's like in that world. right? If you believe in something, right? If you're going to go out, but it doesn't have to be either one of those. It could be anything in life. If you believe in something and you think this is the best way to do this, for crying out loud, defend it. You know what? Stick your chest out and defend and say, we yeah. think this is the best way to run this baseball team, run this football team run the state whatever it is and defend it because even in the even in the political world what they do is they they, they they're for something they pass it and then then they start backpedaling when it, you know when they take some heat for it it's like for crying out loud if you think if you're really that convicted defend it that's yeah. that's what i don't understand but you know in you know who knows but that you know that's kind of the world we live in you know in a, you know it's easy to easy to point fingers and bottom line is you know it uh it didn't turn out the way they wanted they had a good team there's no there's no question about it you know and some crazy things happen in that game. But, you know, uh, I guess, but the, if anything, man, this is kind of, the beauty of sports and in social media, it kind of drives the interest of everything. Right. The problem is there's there's, there's individuals that are taking the heat in in the, you know, so you got to come clean.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's really, uh, it's 2023. It's baseball of 2023. And, you know, this is a little off topic, but, you know, I was watching uh, the Braves in the playoffs and, uh spencer strider i mean he uh he went ballistic in the dugout when he knew he wasn't going out for the eighth inning he he was like he was in their face like knew that he could continue so i mean it really is the game it's the analytics and you know sometimes i mean for me all the time i i just crave the old days where it's the feel of the game not what's printed on a piece of paper i mean you're a manager. You know, you got to go with the feel of the game and not exactly what what's on this paper. You know, that's being spit out of a computer.
0: Yeah, you know, you get to the playoff time. You know your team. You 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 obviously good enough to get there, right? So you got a good ball club, and you try basically. Although it's you know it's that time of year, you run your team like the way you've always run it, right? Maybe a little bit less uh, rope, you know, in the uh, in crunch time. Mm-hmm. But it's like. You know, in, in this is in the old days too. If 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 the front office felt that uh, the baseball world felt that the manager was doing some stupid things, they would fire you. Okay, that's yeah. that was kind of everybody knew. Right now, now nobody knows who <laughs> who's doing what. You know, like I said it's it's it sounds like the U.S. government. Nobody yeah. knows no what. No one knows who to want.
1: answer to, and you know where do you get the straight scoop from, and who's who's taking accountability and responsibility? Everyone's oh, kind of yeah. like. I'm not responsible for this. It's him.
0: That's kind of the day and age we live in, man. Nobody know. wants to
1: eat. I know. It's uh, it's not just sports. It's everywhere, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are listening to the Gibby Show, presented by our friends at Miller Lite and John. We are in the middle of the baseball playoffs at the most exciting time of the year. The official beer of Major League Baseball, Miller Lite, is right there uh, uh, supporting all the teams. Uh, and I'm sure that uh, uh, both you and I, Uh, During this playoff season, we really are uh, diving into some Miller Lights during the games. Oh,
0: yeah, it's good stuff, man. There's a reason why they're the the sponsor of Major League Baseball now.
1: Exactly right. Exactly Mm -hmm. right. Corner booths, sticky floors,
2: weekdays that feel like weekends. You never forget the way some things taste. Miller Light, great taste, 90 calories. Tastes like Miller time.
1: Before we. before we go into the next segment, I have one other question for you. And you made a little bit of news with a social media post this week. Uh, uh, when it was revealed that Minnesota shortstop Carlos Correa actually called the pivotal pickoff play against Vladimir Guerrero Jr. via PitchCon to Sonny Gray. Uh, and it was a little too much. Uh, you know, you shared your opinions on social media, uh, which was seen by almost 600,000 people now, your your take on it was like technology is just taking over. It's too much, especially during a game. Um, do you think that calling a play with a device, like a pickoff play, should it be outlawed really in baseball at this point?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm like you. You know what? It's like technology. Yeah, technology is great. It's great for the world. That, but, you know, we're in a sport that maybe we're getting a little bit carried away. I wasn't accusing them of cheating. By any means, I, I, I wasn't even aware you could do that. All I know yeah. is, in, in baseball, it used to be we'd work on it. You know, from the day I got into pro ball, and you know, in, in spring training, you work on that that time pickoff play with the middle infielder guy on second base, a guy on second, the runners get a little bit carried away. It used to be an old glove, drop your glove sign to the uh, the the pitcher, right? As soon as that, as soon as the middle infielder breaks towards the bag, so that way he he's not he's not looking back at the runner and timing it that way. You know, when they throw the hand, it's like a yeah, so when that,
1: when that glove drops, the pitcher yeah. knows that he's going to have a yeah,
0: on and he's team. not even looking. Right, it's so so yeah. some teams were doing better at it than others. You know, they had smarter guys out there. They but the key to it was you had to get that signal out there between the the middle infielder, the pitcher, and the catcher. Right, you yeah. had nothing to do with the dugout. That's how that's how it all did. And if the teams could pull it off, they were a little more advanced. They were a little bit. They worked a little bit. They were smarter. Whatever it might be, right? They were a little bit better fundamental teams. Those kind of things. But it wasn't easy to do because it somehow somebody always seemed to get alert alerted by it, so he couldn't put the play on. But I was surprised when I, when I was listening to it that you know they came from the shortstop to the dugout, and then the dugout called it. I'm thinking, okay, to me that does just doesn't see, you know no if if you could pull it off with those guys out the field, it's almost like the the sign stealing, right? If if you're not very smart enough to you know get change up your signs, and it's where that guy at second base can pick them up. You know what? What the what pitches are coming to the hitter that they've been doing forever? You know what? Then that's that's your own fault, and that's why they came out with the pitch gun. Right? Well, this is what's coming. Okay, I guess I guess it's it was to overcome all our, our stupidity, maybe. And uh, but I, all <laughs> athletes ain't smart, man. They, that's that's just hard. But uh, so when that came from the dugout, and then they could alert the pitch like that. I thought that just that just. But hey, if, if it's part it's of too it, much. you know, that, that's part. too much. I, I was just shocked by it. I think exactly that. That was my point. I'm not accusing anybody cheap, but I thought, well, if yeah. technology's OK to do it with this, what, what's everybody grilling in Houston so much? Right. They were just right. doing a different it part was, of the game, It was you know?
1: like a comparison of, for instance, I mean, yeah. when you could determine a pickoff play by pressing a button and who knows what else. Uh Yeah. 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 So I understood what you were saying in the tweet. It got a lot of reaction and. Uh, I tell you what else got reaction uh, as a little bit of a follow up was Vladdy uh, so far off his second base. I mean, that was that in that situation, that was a little too much. Now Vladdy got picked off. Uh, would you have a conversation uh, with him about that era, You know, just kind of being more focused on what was going on right then and there, and then the pickoff happens.
0: Well, number one, that's that's the biggest mistake, right? You can't get picked off yeah. there, right? You know, yeah. you're down, that's, that's it. You're in scoring position. Where are you going? Yeah. You would like to think, well, maybe I get a little bit more lead to, to score, but you know, the bottom line you're down, you got, you got to, you can't get picked off. Right. That's right. So that, that's the bottom line. And yeah, you know what, when, when, when play, when those things happen, you got to address it, you know, and I'm, I don't know whether they did or not. I'm sure they did, you know, and how everybody addresses things differently because it's costly, you know, in the, uh, you know, it's 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 tougher to go after the big dog sometimes, right? It's easy yeah. to go after the little guy, right? Anybody can do that, but th- those are your team leaders, those are your main guys, and you know what? Everybody else on the team say, "Well, wait, wait a minute, you know what's, what? He's got to do the same thing we got to do." You know, mistakes happen. There's no doubt about it. But yeah. what you get into the playoffs, things get magnified, right? And obviously, in a game like that, when you not scoring runs, you took them out of an inning. But so, yeah, that that's that's baseball one on one from when you were a little kid.
1: Yeah. And yeah. uh, you know, in your tenure, you know, y- you uh, you were really never afraid, or you were kind of reactionary. I mean, if someone, if you needed to address it right then and there, if someone really made a blunder, you would get in their face and just say, "Hey, what'd you do?" I mean, uh, you didn't wait, and sometimes you waited to speak, I guess, behind the scenes, but uh well i don't know
0: i don't like that necessarily the description got in their face that wasn't always the case but but you know, i know what
1: you i know what oh, yeah, you mean know, yeah. i wasn't like, trying to be disparaging oh i know right. I, but that, but so you, i mean you
0: got to deal with some things and sometimes you know uh because bottom line who does it sooner or later if your team's doing stupid things and not producing, who, who does the heat come down on the manager right because you, your job is to run the team and make sure you know you're fundamentally sound or if you guys are screwing up you bring it to their attention but what they do, though, you know, these these guys knew I was fair and it, and it was yeah. never a knee jerk reaction. If there was if there was things that were happening and they kept happening, you know, what? you get sometimes you, you got to fight fire with fire. You know, that's just right. the way it is. Hey, come on. Let's let's, let's wake up. You know, let's uh, you know, that's that's how I was raised in athletics. I was how I was I was raised and I think the, uh, the world's a better place when you're up front. You, you're honest and you, you deal with things, you know, but that's, yes. uh, you know,
1: that's like you say baseball one on one. Right. You know, yeah, life better. 101 for crying Life 101, life 101, of course. Yeah. Well, John, that'll wrap up the leadoff. Now it's time for Gabbing with Gibby, brought to you by Tim Hortons. Hey, Canada, Tim's NHL trading cards are back with an all new set. So get ready to unpack the thrill and score your favorite hockey stars. Grab them before they're gone. Available right now, only at Tim's. Today on Gabbing with Gibby, brought to you by Tim Hortons, our guest. Was a member of the 1993 world champion Toronto Blue Jays hitting 500 and winning the World Series MVP that year. I mean, there's so many accolades. Where do you start? He finished his 15-year playing career with 3,319 hits. It's a lifetime 306 hitter with an OPS of 0.817 for everyone with today's analytics, Uh, playing for the Milwaukee Brewers, Blue Jays, and Minnesota Twins, taking over as manager for the Twins from 2015 to 2018 and winning American League Manager of the Year in 2017. He is a first ballot inductee in the Baseball Hall of Fame, becoming a member in 2004. It is our great pleasure to say hello to paul molitor paul how you doing i'm doing very well today i
2: uh appreciate the introduction just as i just as i wrote it you did a good job with that uh, <laughs> thank you, you know, thank they, you th- things are good up here in minnesota you know um baseball has been a, a huge part of my life i'm still involved with the game and of course with the twins uh advancing past the jays in that wild card series looking forward to uh See how far they can stretch it up here, but yeah, things are good for me. Thank you.
0: Hey, Molly, I tell you what, man, it's good. Good to see. You, you know, I've always been a, a big admirer, right? You know, uh, you know, I I, tr- I tried to, you know, I had a very limited major league career, right? But you know, I, I followed you. But you think think about your career. I know you've heard all this, and I know you've thought about it. You know, but you know the 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 long career, the Hall of Fame, the the MVP, in the World Series. You know, then just doing everything. Just the, the career there. And then you go on, you know, and, and you become a manager, you know, and, and, you know, I can relate to you with all that stuff. Then you pull off, you know, the manager of the year. My God, is there anything in the game that you wish you had done that you haven't done?
2: <laughs> I, well, I wish I had more than one reign. That's one thing. But I'm not sure what got into me to make me think I wanted to manage. That was crazy. <laughs> As you know, there's a lot of stuff that comes with that particular role, um, plenty of challenges, certainly trying to motivate a group of men to uh, maximize what they can bring to uh, to any organization and onto the field. But, you know, I, I, you know, you grow up and you, you have a dream about playing and maybe someday finding your way into professional baseball, and then uh, lo and behold, you climb the ladder and you get there. I don't think many guys play to try to become Hall of Famers. You're just trying to, you know, do the best that you can and play as long as you can. And, you know, for me to play 21 years at the major league level, that's it was pretty much unfathomable for, for me. I, I, by the time I retired at 42 years old, I'd spent half my life in the big league. So just a lot to be grateful for, Gibby.
0: Yeah. Hey, you, hey, you earned that, though. I know there's, there's a lot of hard work there, you know. So, uh right, we got the Twinkies. You know, with, with our show, we mostly cover the Blue Jays, you know, and then we talk all about baseball. But we, sure. but we, we just, we just went head to head. You guys, you guys played some tremendous baseball. And I got to be honest with you. And I think like most people in, in baseball, uh, you know, the twins, twins put it all together the last couple of months. They start, I think they was, they started, the offense came to life, right? Typical. It seems like a typical twins team, good, solid defense fundamentals, they pitch, but you, you needed the offense, but and everybody kind of looked them and say, well, they're the, the American league central is a weak division this year. You know, they're just leading that division, but they're more than that, aren't they?
2: Well, I think that they are. And, and you know, it's, those wild card series, that they, they they come and go so quickly. I, I really believe that as we get more of a sample size of that wild card series over the next decade or so, we're going to see a really high percentage of two game sweeps. You know, you it's uh you win that first game, and you know the psychological effect, the fact you still got a, a little bit of leeway as far as winning one out of the next two, as opposed to the converse side where you lose that first game and all of a sudden all the celebrate celebrations about getting into the playoffs. Now you're uh, all of a sudden facing a, an elimination game and you've only played one game in the postseason. but um, the twins are more than just being the winners of a weak division. You know, we've never really had as deep of a pitching staff as, as the twins have been able to take out there, you know, led by, you know, Pablo Lopez and Sonny Gray at the top and a great bullpen. You know, the Toronto series, um, we didn't hit a ton. You know, Royce Lewis kind of stole the first game with a couple of homers. You know, Gaussman maybe wasn't particularly sharp, but uh, he found his way to keep his team in the game. And then we had the controversy in game two surrounding Barrios and and making that pitching change early. So, um, yeah, we were fortunate to get through that, you know, for the the Jays fans. You know, I, I empathize with them. The the twins hadn't won a playoff game in in 19 years, so everyone was kind of just holding their breath to see if this would be the year we could finally break through. When we did, and and now we're giving the the Astros uh, a run for their money here in the in the division series.
1: Go ahead, Johnny. Yeah, I wanted to touch base about that uh, series uh, last week, and uh, that was uh, for Jays fans, for baseball fans. Everyone was surprised. Uh, when that move was made to remove uh, Jose Barrios. Uh, what did you think of that change? Did it surprise you? And kind of give us your reaction to what was going on uh, that day. Uh, I, I
2: will say that I was overly surprised. I mean, you know, Barrios, I, I managed him. I, I know what kind of kid he is. You know, every once in a while, he'll run out there and have a little bit of a clunker. But when he's locked in, he usually can give you give you some length as well as holding down the opposition. Uh, But in today's game, you know, the reason I'm not overly surprised is because there's so much pregame discussion about various scenarios, how we're going to use our staff. It's an elimination game. So I'm sure that they're thinking about, hey, we don't want to not use some of the bullets we might have to give us a chance to win. It just didn't pan out in that particular inning. When the Twins were able to score a couple of runs after the pitching change, and if the Blue Jays had a little bit better offensive series, maybe that point might have been moot. But as it turned out, those were the huge runs and the difference in the second game.
0: Yeah, you know what? You know, Paul, the game is so different now. It's it's like, and I, we we overdo it. There's there's no way we get nowadays. We get in the way of the game. You know, I get it. I understand all the, you know, the analytics and everything. But you know, still play the game. Still played by human human beings. You know, I have a hard time seeing like you know, Tom Kelly, Harvey Keen, those guys. You see, you know, <laughs> it the kind of the game. You know what? I I think maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's why I'm not doing it anymore. But the kind of the game will lay itself out for you. You know, you know, or how about how about uh, going somebody going out there trying to take Jack Morris out? And the, the hey, Jack, we got a plan here, man. We it, it just wouldn't happen. You know, and it and it. I don't think it's smart. I, I think it's you know what, obviously. Sure. You know, it's, it's the game. We're, we're, we're trying to control the game that, instead of letting the, letting the boys do it.
2: Well, you know, as, as you know from, you know, when you finished up your tenure in, in that manager seat, and even for myself, it's been five years now. But the information just changed dramatically, even from my first year to my fourth year. And a lot of it was interesting to me. I had to have a little cheat sheet in, in my office there to let me know what all those numbers meant, you know. Far- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> didn't want to be asked something by the media and not have any idea what they're talking about, but you know, you, you try to use what you can and some of it was helpful, but you know, you know, what a player's makeup is, you know, when a player's hot or cold and some of that stuff about the analytics, just isn't going to be the deciding factor in making decisions. And uh, if you get criticized for it, you know, Hey, you're in that, you're in that position of leading that team for a reason. And uh, it's not always going to go perfectly or everything's not always going to work out right but i didn't want to have that fallback of position of blaming on analytics if i made a gut decision you know i was going to feel good about that regardless of the outcome
0: no i, I, have a I, I agree I'm real sorry, quick Jay, hey a- you know what happened one thing i think gets lost in this real sometimes the teammates out there right because i i you know sure. they're going what are we doing here you know so automatically it may okay that may not, that's not going to necessarily kill the game but it's like it puts that doubt in their mind. Like, hey, w- hey, what are we doing here? You know, it's like, uh, is this guy he had no confidence in this? So those are the little things that occur uh, on the side, and you know what? Then a lot of times, you know, who knows? All right, Johnny, go get him. Well,
2: yeah, I, this i just, was, just, I'll just, I'm sorry. Add, That's a really valid point. You know, that's the manager. He's got a lot of a lot of things he's got to fulfill in that role. But one is going to be the collective confidence that the players have in him and what he's trying to do in a given game, whether it's pinch hitting or pitching changes or whatever the case might be. And we saw the reaction from some of the Jays players after that second game. And they, they were, they were surprised. I mean, you the eye test was Barrios was dealing and um, you know, just to go to that lefty, cause he had a couple lefty hitters coming up. He was going to be open himself up to uh, a little second guessing. And, and if the Jays went out, scored six or seven runs, it, it might've got, washed away. But as it turned out, that was the difference of the ball game.
0: Hey, if I'm an, if I'm an owner too, and I pay a guy over a hundred million dollars and I'm going, he can, <laughs> I pay this guy a hundred million bucks and he can only go three innings. Uh, where, where's the hang up here? Boy?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great. <laughs> anyway. Hi, Jay. Yeah. I had a question for both of you as uh, that discussion you were just having, uh, you and Gibby both managed your last game uh, so far in 2018. Uh, The question is, the way the game has changed, as you were saying, Paul, in just five years, analytics, rule changes, uh, front office getting involved a lot, and the way the younger players, especially now, are being taught the game in the minor leagues, could either of you see yourselves in a position where you'd want to manage a team in the future under the right circumstance?
2: Well, I'll go ahead and take the uh, time (laughs) for Oh, I don't know what Gibby's thinking, but I I, I don't see it. I'm older. Uh, the day-to-day grind between playing and coaching and managing, um, just don't really have that, that feeling that that's something that would be a good fit for me anymore. And it's not so much because of the changes, this and that. It's just kind of more lifestyle and different things. But um, I still enjoy being connected to the game, but I, I can't see that in my future.
0: It is a it is a grind. I, I, people don't realize that either, you know, and and uh, especially you know for that managing end of it, like you said, you know, you're you're worried about twenty five guys, right? It's like it's not just you got to get yourself ready, and you know, obviously it's a team game, but it's like me personally, you know, hey, I would love to give it one more shot, but I think it, it, you know, that crack, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I, because I think I got I got labeled anti analytics, which isn't true. I just didn't ever go to the extreme, you know, but I work for, you know, the uh, front office. It's in Toronto. Now they're working, you know, we were t- you know, it was for Snyder there and they let me do my thing. You know, I, I they inherited me. So I was, you know, as soon as we went South, I was out of there anyway, but they let me do my own thing. And so I can't complain about that, but that obviously that's a little bit different now.
2: Yeah. Well, Hey, I just said, I, I got to say that you, you had to have loved the fact that you were able to manage the team and, you know, the guys up here that we brought in some new people while I was managing, Derek Falvey came in from Cleveland and Thad Levine from Texas. And they were around a lot more than my former general manager, Terry Ryan, who I have a tremendous amount of respect for. But they didn't they didn't give me a lineup every day. You know, we might have some discussions about, you know, potential outcomes later in games, who we want to match up and this and that. But I I I would not like having the game too much pre-planned before it happened. There's just too many variables, and I I want to be making those decisions if I'm fortunate enough to be in the manager's position rather than having other people tell me how I should manage a game. Yeah. Tim's NHL trading cards are back. Unpack family fun. Score your favorite icons with an all-new set. Get yours before they're gone. Only at Tim's.
0: Hey, Molly, you said lineups, right? If a man, if if a guy managing your team can't make out his own lineup, let me ask you. Okay, you're 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 a Hall of Fame player, right? And I, I battled this time or two with when I was managing. There's something that goes through players' mind, right? They they like that set lineup, right? Yeah, you may have to adjust it if you sure. know somebody's struggling, but knowing that they're going to the ballpark that day, they don't even have to look at the board. They know they're in there, where they're hitting and all that. And it's those mind games because I look at not all teams your your best teams they don't they they don't seem to adjust it much these days even even within this analytics world, but some teams it's like every day you know I mean I mean a guy guy might be hitting second one day next day he's hitting seventh next day he's hitting fourth it's like speak let me let me have your thoughts on that a a great player the mind part of that would that have affected I know you you, you're locked in your position obviously but tell tell these people how people how players think. No, I, uh, I, I don't,
2: I don't like the fact that they, they allow analytics to determine the lineup. You know, the the major changes. I mean, you can have a little bit of tweaking here and there, but you know, these teams like Atlanta and the Dodgers, and you know, they're they're running out four or five the same names in the same spots every day, and they're playing every day. I know we talk about load management and players being able to play multiple positions and how it increases the depth of your team. And you might have a a club that where it's more advantageous to try to mix it up a little bit more frequently. But, you know, the best teams i played on, it was, you know, we knew who one, two, three was going to be every day. Maybe there was some tweaking down bottom line of different guys playing. But just lock those guys in. It doesn't matter, righty, lefty, hot, cold, you know, just go with it. I like the continuity, and I like the fact that the players have that peace of mind that they're not going to be being second guessed about what role they should be hitting on any particular day.
0: Yeah. It makes a big difference. Well, you said one, two, three. All right. Talk about that batting, uh, batting batty title chase there in uh, Toronto, when you guys were all battling it out for that. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not a big, you know, I'm not braggadocious, put it this way, but a, a little, a, a little trivia that I kind of like um, in 93, when we won. Ola Rude, myself, and Robbie Alomar finished one, two, three in the batting race. And I think that was the first time that had happened in, in a long, long time. And when I was in Milwaukee, our first three hitters, Cecil Cooper, Robin Yon and myself finished one, two, three in hits. So, uh, mm. uh, and you, it just, it goes back to our last question about just having guys locked into certain roles and, and, and trusting that that's going to play out, uh, in a, in a positive light over the course of a long season. But, uh, yeah, you know, John Olerud in 93 was hitting 400 in July. I mean, it was an incredible, incredible season that he had. You know, I, I always I make the joke that when I went to the Jays in 93, I asked Olerud in spring training if he ever thought about winning a batting title. And he said, are you crazy? He goes, I'm slow. I can't run this and that. I said, yeah, but you got a great eye. You got great bat to ball skills. And so lo and behold, John goes on and at 370 whatever. But I always tell people that if I knew I was going to finish second, I would have waited waited another year to ask them about winning a batting title. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't good.
0: Uh, hey, Molly, for, for guys, uh, one of the all time greatest hitters yourself. Is there a guy out there that you think's the greatest you've ever played with, or the greatest hitter, or the greatest hitter you ever saw in your mind? Is there one guy yeah. that? There's so many great ones. Well, there's really not so many great ones.
2: Yeah, it's we- hard to do you know, from your playing and coaching and managing, I mean, you see some amazing, amazingly talented people. You know, when I when I played, I, I really look forward to, you know, having a chance to compete against some of the guys, and especially when you're a younger player, because I'm playing against guys that help help fuel your fire to become a player in the first place. You know, when I first time you go up against, you know, back in the day, you know, Reggie and Tom Seaver and, and all those kind of people and all, and all you're facing them. But then then you play longer and you start to see your contemporaries. Um, you know, Kirby Puckett was somebody, Don Mattingly, you know, the consistency of an Alan Trammell, Tony Gwynn's ability to hit. All those guys kind <clears> of <throat> stood out for you. And and then as far as guys I've played with, Robin Young, <clears throat> best teammate I ever had, Hall of Famer. Go to Toronto, <clears throat> uh, Robbie Alomar can beat you in so many ways. I mean, his defense and his base running, he had power, he could hit for average, and just a lot of really good players. I think today's players, when I think about guys that maybe play somewhat similarly to what you tried to do, you know, you look at a guy like Trey Turner. He hasn't had a great year. He turned it on a little bit the second half. But uh, great on the bases, got some pop, you know, clutch hitter. uh, Resume speaks for itself. But as far as the best guy ever played again, I don't know. There's a lot of great ones out there.
0: Yeah, I hear you. Hey, hey, tell tell us a little bit about your swing. I can remember i have trying to figure out how to hit right. In in uh, we we we, well, people people always say, well, your swing's too long or this and that. You had had to have the shortest swing in the history of the game. Am I right?
2: Am I wrong? If I was playing today, they'd probably try to change it. You know? Yes. It, it, it wouldn't. They said it wouldn't play in today's games. I don't know you. Um. To be honest with you, Gibby, I, when I got to the big leagues, you know, I didn't have great uh, strike zone awareness or discipline. Um, you know, the quality of off-speed pitches, split fingers and sliders were were kind of over, overwhelming me as a young player. And I, I was typical. I, I took my stride and, you know, tried to pull the ball probably more than I should have as, as not being a particularly strong, strong hit. But I just got tired of chasing pitches with two strikes. So I figured out a way to uh, spread out a little bit and and just um, try to see the ball a little longer, protect against pitches that had the highest likelihood of fooling me, and just so I could try to keep those pitches in the zone a little bit longer, eliminated my stride. And eventually I became so comfortable with that that I I just took it into my overall approach, even from pitch one. And if you're gonna to try to hit a lot of home runs and 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 worry about those kind of things, it's probably not the best approach. But you do see some guys today that really minimize how much movement they have. Um, they can load their their swing, <clears throat> they can create a little torque, they can um, you know uh, they can do a little bit of, of coiling and still find a way to get power. But they minimize their stride and and they find a way to still you know make contact, hit good pitches. And still drive the ball. So yeah, it was just something that evolves over time. Failure dictates adjustments that you have to make to try to continue to be competitive.
0: Hey, you still hit a fair amount of home runs for your role in the big league. You know, don't It's not it's not your typical power stroke. You hit a lot of home runs.
2: Well, yeah, I wasn't that. You know, I think I only hit twenty once, and that was the year in Toronto. You know, you get those, you know, fifteen homers a year, but you try to get your doubles. You try to be able to run the bases, you know, I, 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 I could steal a base, those kind of things. So, but, you know, back, you know, 40 years ago, not to date ourselves too badly. I mean, the leadoff guy it was, it was a table setter. He was kind of like yeah. Florida, you know, you get your hits, you can run the bases, you can steal yourself in the scoring position. Um, As you know, playing with the lead in the big leagues, you know, you're going to win about 67, 68% of the game if you score first. So, That was kind of my mindset as a leadoff guy back in the back of
0: those days. Well, it worked. Well, Johnny, what what do you got for Paul before we let him go? He's got a ball game to see today, man. The Twinkies are back in action.
1: Yes, they are. And uh, that fan base there in Minnesota, that uh, just phenomenal. uh, Just watching them uh, last week. Uh, But I had a question for you that takes you back. I mean, tell us what it was like leaving the Brewers after 92 season and joining the Jays in 93, which was. The year they won it all. So, how was that experience for you? Well, you
2: know, I try not to get too long-winded on that one, but um you know, during my generation, <clears throat> there wasn't too many players that played a long time and stayed with the same team. There were some, you know, Gwyn and Yount and Brett and Trammel and certain guys that had fifteen to twenty-year careers. And I kind of wanted to be one of those guys, <clears throat> but you know, in the uh, early 90s is when we really were seeing the split in the markets, the large market, the small markets, all that, how that got involved with labor negotiations. And the Brewers just weren't in a position to <clears throat> pay a free free market price, if you will. Uh, offered me a one-year contract out a pay cut and the Blue Jays, man, they just won a World Series and they come after you with personalities like Paul Beeston and uh, Pat Gillick and... I said, I, I'd be crazy not to want to go to that environment and um, didn't know a ton about, you know, what it was like to be a Jay. Other than the fact that I sure enjoyed watching them win the previous year. Dave Winfield, uh guy I grew up five blocks away from, was an instrumental part of that 92. Wow. So, yeah, they gave me a great opportunity. Um, it was hard to leave a place that you had played uh, for 15 years. But in hindsight, man, what a, what a good move for me and what an opportunity the Blue Jays presented myself because after 21 years of playing, that's the only, the only ring that I was a part of. So always indebted to the Jays for that. We, drew, we only drew 4 million people that year, so the environment was incredible. Every day you go out there, there's 50,000 people at the park. So I just really fell in love with the city too. But it, it was a great three years of my life uh, up there in the beautiful city of Toronto.
0: And the MVP of that World Series.
2: Yeah, I, I, I snuck that in there, Gibby. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny. I, people talk about 93. They, they don't talk about the MVP. And they talk about Joe Carter's home run, and rightfully so. I mean, they only only the second World Series ever to end on a home run behind Bill Mazeroski. So, um, yeah, it was uh, a, a dream come true for me when Joe's ball went over that fence. I, I happened to be on first base and, you know, just tried to make sure I touched all the bases and bedlam and suit. <laughs> and the party
0: was on well that's awesome well molly listen hey we can't thank you enough for taking some time out and coming and joining our show here today you know you're one of the all-time pros greatest not only on the field as a player but individuals too and, and uh we sure thank you
2: yeah hey well i appreciate you guys having me on uh a lot of respect for you Gibby man i'm glad you're doing this hope you're having some fun with it and we'll catch up somewhere down the road
0: all right, pal. Have a great day, huh? Dress warm, man. It gets a little cooler up there in the uh, <laughs> that part of the world a little bit sooner. You guys be well.
1: Thanks. All Thanks right. Well, yeah. That wraps up another gabbing with Gibby Molitor. Oh my goodness, what that was great!
0: What an old pro, you know. Hey, you he look at, you know, when you sit down there, you you look at his 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 career, right, as a player. I mean, he, you know, he's he's not just a Hall of Famer. He's an elite Hall of Famer, right? And then, then to then to go on, and become a coach, and then become a manager. And he won the manager of the year award. I mean, and he of course you know he can't leave out that he won a world championship. He said he would like to have won more. Okay, but he, we all know how difficult that is. But and then he was the MVP of one. There's really nothing he hasn't done, you know. And he he's he's uh, I never I never really knew him well, you know. But I, I always admired him. And I'm glad I got, you know got to speak with him today. He's he's just a he's just a real pro man, and uh you know the Blue Jays you know the Blue Jays you know when those teams back then you know they they always they always went after the top dogs man because they understood you know what hey this is how we're gonna win they throw their money in there and and uh, they weren't afraid to bring some Hall of Famers in you know and it was kind of interesting I thought when he lived not too far from Dave Winfield I thought man right. yep. two Hall of Famers right there in in that damn cold place of Minnesota.
1: Yeah, five blocks away from each other. What a great uh, gabbing with Gibby! It really was, John. That was uh, that was tremendous. And now, inspired by our friends over at Miller Lite, it's time for this week's roast and toast. The postseason in the major leagues are a time when fans go wild. We all know that. The Twins faithful were like the tenth man on the team last week against the Blue Jays. They drew close to seventy-seven thousand fans in two days. And from the Orioles to the Astros, the home team fans really show their support by filling up the stadiums and being fanatical for their franchise. However, this didn't happen at the House of Horrors in Florida. The Tampa Bay Rays drew just 39000 over two days at Tropicana Field for the two-game series versus the Texas Rangers. And uh, for this lack of support, this week's roast has to go to the lack of attendance and support by the fans down for the ter- Tampa Bay Rays.
0: Yeah, those are good crowds, I think, but down there. I think we're <laughs> missing something.
1: I don't know I'm if sure you could, you've but, seen oh, a lot lighter crowds down there, but I mean, it's the playoffs. It's your chance to oh, go all the way. I mean, what are you going to do? And people say it's an afternoon game. Well, look what happened in Minnesota. It was an afternoon game there, too, and that place was packed. I mean, you it's mean, the it- playoffs.
0: You mean to tell me everybody's working? Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: you know, I can remember my, my total time in, in the coaching and managing the big leagues. I don't know how many years total it was, but the you, you could, the, the crowds that we'd have there, you could add them all together, probably wouldn't equal that. So, so yeah. hey, 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 what a great reason to get a new stadium down there. Aren't they built a new stadium right down the road? It's just kind of an area, an older area that, uh, you know, there's always been some controversial question of, is this, where should we build it? Should we put it in Tampa, right. Orlando and Austin? So who knows? But uh, bottom line, it, it is disappointing, obviously. And Kevin Cash made some comments because they, they put a good team out there every, you know, every year. And, and uh, But what the heck, apparently they're not losing enough money or they wouldn't still be there.
1: <laughs> Somebody's well, funding mean, them. Yeah, I just uh, think playoff time is special time. A fan should show up, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, however, we got a pretty cool toast of the week. Uh, There's a 21-year-old rookie turning heads during these uh, 2023 playoffs. Uh, Before the playoffs, he had only 23 big league games under his belt. He's ranked as baseball's number eight prospect, and he was thrown right into the fire when the Rangers put him in the starting lineup against those Rays that we just spoke about and now against the Orioles in this uh, round of playoffs. He's batting 500, OPS of 1.806, one homer, two doubles, and made – a highlight reel already with a run-saving catch in his first inning ever playing postseason baseball. Uh, he ran fifty-nine feet to rob the Jays in this very first inning. Uh, he now gets to play at home uh, to continue this fairy tale story of the twenty twenty-three baseball postseason. Uh, so this week we're gonna toast the Texas Rangers left fielder Evan Carter.
0: Yeah, he's special. You know what? Hey, what a what a way to break in and make your name, you know, in, in the with everybody watching the postseason and, and the, yeah, that's, that's so hard to do and he, you know, and, he, but, you know, the Texas Rangers, you know, one of the top, uh, organizations, you know, with, throughout the minor lakes, so they got players left and right, you know, um, yeah. but you can't, you know what, you, you got a, even the third baseman, Josh Young, he, he went to, uh, same high school I did in San Antonio. I mean, he, there's something they they, they do. They're doing things right over there. Right. But you can't, you can't, leave out the fact you know Bruce Bochy's there, right? Oh yeah. And and Boch is kind of the eye. You can just see his his calming presence and is he's guiding this team. You know, where three weeks ago, myself included, I thought that bullpen, there's no way. I mean it's just it's it's too difficult. But they they utilize that offense and he's he's mixing and matching, you know, and, and uh hey it's a uh, – but you know what Chris Young's over there running it and he brought in Dayton Dayton Moore who ran the Kansas City Road two great baseball minds. So They know know what they're doing. Put it that way.
1: Corner booths. Sticky
0: floors. Weekdays that feel like weekends. You never
2: forget the way some things taste. Miller Lite. Great taste. 90 calories. Tastes like Miller time.
1: Before we wrap it up, uh, John, there is a special promotion going on right now with ECW Press. Uh, Through October the 27th, uh, if anyone would like a personalized signed copy of gibby tales of a baseball lifer there is a special promotion going on right now it's a great early holiday gift all you got to do is go to ecwpress.com forward slash gibby and order your signed and personalized copy gibby and these are while supplies last so it's like when your arm gets tired it's it the promotion's over
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm actually signing them, you know?
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that's kind of a cool yeah, deal. Yeah, pretty
0: cool. And good Christmas gift. I hope you know what? Either that or good Christmas prank you want to play out to me.
1: A <laughs> Christmas prank. There you go. Wow. All right. Uh, that'll wrap up this edition of The Gibby Show for John Gibbons. This is John Arezzi. We'll be back next week to talk more baseball with you. Have a great week, everybody.